Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 286 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am doing quite well. Chad, how are you? Well, you know, the baseball season's not gone so well, but still doing pretty well and uh, happy to be talking to you now. Let's go ahead and just right off the bat here, let's uh, let's dig into the uh, the elephant in the room, I guess. Although digging into the elephant in the room is really, I, I, I'm not really a wordsmith. I already had supper. That seems like a lot. <laughs> Yikes. Um, you, uh, some people have been asking. You made a sort of an announcement, not really a big-time announcement. Just you said something on Twitter about taking a little bit of a step back from baseball writing. I'll let you say what you want to say on that. But, um, as a matter of fact, I will let you go ahead and say before I say anything else. Um, yeah, so I've been writing for Red Leg Nation for, uh, you know, approximately 7,000 years. <laughs> it seems like it. Um, and I've aged accordingly. And uh, it just kind of got to the point where there, there are some other other aspects of my life, I guess, that I want to focus on and, and work on. And so I'm going to do that for a while. Um, baseball writing-wise, I will still appear periodically at the Hardball Times. Anything, anything I have to write will probably show up there. And it will probably be few and far between uh, baseball-wise. I, I tend to typically write you know, two to four times a year for them. Um, but I won't be writing at Red Leg Nation anymore, though I'm sure that, you know, I'll be welcome if I want to, but uh, it's not in my plans, at least, um, aside from maybe one or two more articles before the end of the season. I have decided, however, uh, to go ahead and hang out. I'll, I'll still hang out here if you want me, Chad. Um, some people indicated on Twitter that they would enjoy it if I continued to do the podcast, I assume, because everybody needs a break from your accent sometimes. <laughs> Yikes. Wait a minute. <laughs> How'd you turn this around on me? <laughs> well, that's how, that's what that's our dynamic, man. It is. It is. It is. Um, so I'm going to stick on the podcast for a while. Uh, I, I was kind of I was undecided on it, if I'm being honest, but it, it is something I enjoy doing, and and I think we'll stick for now. And uh, you know, I do appreciate the kind words from everybody all all along the internet. At least I should say I appreciate the kind words from everybody except Phil Razor. Um, <laughs> yeah. Else's kind words. It was it was great to hear, and uh, yeah. So you'll still you'll still have me to kick around here on the podcast, where you can't actually kick me around. Um, but yeah, hi everybody. Also, <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that because you know, and you and I have had some conversations uh, uh, off the air, so to speak, and uh, and I understand it's you know uh, it's been a long time that you've been writing for Red Lake Nation. I mean, it seems like a lifetime ago that we first kind of got together there, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I will say I I will I probably have told this story before, but I had ended up at Hardball Times with an editing gig, and they had me write a little something, and I wrote about Jay Bruce and sent you an article, and then you were like, "Oh, do you want to write for us?" And I was like, "Oh wow, anybody wants to listen to anything I have to say about baseball? All right, sure." And uh, and ten years later, uh, here we are, and now I'm just too big for my britches, as my mother would say. Absolutely. No, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's been that long ago, and and uh, it's, you know, my my thoughts about Red Leg Nation is that it's uh, always going to be my baby, and um, and and, I, and you will be welcome, I'm sure there, anytime you want to write. But I get it, you know, uh, it's uh, it's a it's a side light, and uh, you know, 
life has to go on. But on the other hand, really glad that at least for the foreseeable future, you're going to hang out with us a little bit here longer on the podcast. I know a lot of people would ask me that question as well, and I, I didn't want to answer for you. So I'm glad uh, we did that. Now, yeah, people, people were asking me on Twitter, and it was like, well, I'm thinking about it still. And I, <laughs> I didn't answer because that would be the most unsatisfying answer ever. Right. Like, I don't know. I'll let you know in a few days. So the best answer is that uh, you show up on our late, our next very next episode of the podcast, and I'm glad that, that. And obviously, you're welcome to be here as long as you want to be here, because despite the fact that you uh, really like to poke at me a little bit, we do have a good time talking about these old Cincinnati Reds. Um, you want to talk about the 2020 Cincinnati Reds? Let's talk about the 2020 Cincinnati Reds. Let's let's do that. Let's talk just a brief moment about 2019, but uh, everyone is kind of ready to. Turn the page and head to 2020. But there are a couple of items that I wanted to talk about. First of all, the reason why everyone's ready to flip the page is, uh, you know, they go to lose that last game in Miami and then go into St. Louis and just, it's bad. Just a bad series at, at St. Louis. A, that was a rough 40 <laughs> It was really the low point of the season. And then, you know, the dude salvaged the final game. <laughs> they almost lost four games in two days. That, that's hard yeah. to do. You know, I, I never thought we'd see this day and age anyone lose four games in two days. But then they go to Philadelphia and lose the first two of the series. And finally, well, it's hard to blame them for the Philadelphia thing because everybody on the team had to just be gassed. Oh, I'm sure, absolutely. And and then and they won the last two games of the Philadelphia yeah. series, so it's you know it's kind of a wash. They're nine games under 500, 13 and a half, I think, back right now. So it's over. But anyway, that's why everyone's kind of dispirited this moment. There are a couple of things about this year's uh, team that I want to briefly mention. First of all, Aristides Aquino, National League Player of the Month and Rookie of the Month. That's uh, that's not bad for his first month in the big leagues. You that saw- is really not bad. And the most encouraging thing for me about that is that, like, when it comes to you know players who are just coming up and stuff like that, I have a real tendency to not believe anything good until like a fair sample size has happened. Um, except for you know there are times when somebody does something and it's like the only company that that person keeps is good company, and then it, it makes you start to think a little bit. Um, you're chiming. So, you're chiming on us. I'm, I am trying. These must be really excellent points you're getting ready to make. So, you know, there was a list. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up of the other people who had done that. Here we are. It's Yasiel Puig. Um, I remember him. Buster Posey and Ryan Braun, I think. Yeah, these are guys that won the Player of the Month award in their first month in the big leagues. Yeah, I think that's I mean, that's good company to keep, right? Those are, those are all very good players. Yeah, those those are guys who go from the Hall of Very Good to the Hall of Marginal Hall of Famers. Well, two MVPs, I mean, in that group. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, three if you include Aquino, who's clearly going to win MVP next year. I, you know, with me, it yeah, that and the fact that he keeps breaking every record, you know, for X number of home runs, you know, quickest to get to 12 home runs, quickest to get to 13, quickest to get – he now has 15 in big league history. Just, to me, the, the most exciting thing is, and again, I'm still, I, I don't know whether I'm sold or not, although every, with every day that passes, I've become closer to it. But we're talking, you know, 34 games, and he has 37 uh, ribeye stakes, 37 runs batted in. I mean, this is a 15 home run. This is a middle-of-the-order hitter. And uh, I'm just, I'm blown away with what he's been able to do. And, and the fact that he's doing it, still doing it, kind of, not, not to the same pace, but still doing pretty well 
after this much time, I would have thought he'd be a hot week. And then, you know, he goes back to being a free swinger or something. It's really not happened. And I'm optimistic about that, I guess I'll say. Yeah, I am too. It's, you know, I, I'm still, you have to still be skeptical. I mean, because you have to, because look at what he's done. But yeah. 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 Again, it's that thing where there's this point in the, in the sand, this line in the sand where on this day he changed his approach to the plate. And ever since then, he's been killing the ball. So yeah. so there's reasons to be cautiously optimistic. It's, the track record's still so short, but very exciting. Um, good job by Aquino to win the National League Player of the Month and Rookie of the Month in his first month in the big leagues. Now, the other big story from this week that I wanted to kind of just touch on, which is in some ways a little bit of a... Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a, a freak uh, thing, but Michael Lorenzen, you've heard of Michael Lorenzen. I have heard of him. Yes. Yeah. Um, he uh, started in center field today. First time he started in center field. What are your thoughts about Michael Lorenzen starting in center field? I mean, whatever. Sure. Why not? Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Why not? Yeah. I, I yeah, I, now, I know you don't think he is uh, likely, and I think you're, you're right about this. I don't think we've got any evidence that he's likely to be a legitimate big league hitter. He'll get exposed, I guess, yeah. if he's playing, you know, five times, six times a week. But, man, he's kind of fun. And he's just, like, well, he, he hit the pinch hit home run last night and got the win and also played in the outfield. And there's only one other player in Major League history that got a win in the, on the mound, played in the field, and hit a home run in the same game. And I'll let you go ahead and say who the other person was. I'm sure you know. Uh, it was uh, Scrappy Van Housen, a little-known 19th century um, utility guy for the Boston Bean Eaters. Scrappy, the immortal Scrappy Van Housen. I wish that were a real guy. How was that for just making that up? That was impressive. <laughs> it was the opposite of an obscure guy. It was George Herman Babe Ruth. Two yes. guys have done that, Babe Ruth and Michael Lorenzen. And of the two, Lorenzen has better biceps. I and mean, you got to give him that. It's true. It's true. So is he just a novelty? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he is. I do. I mean, I don't think he's a guy that's going to play, you know, he's not uh, Shohei Otani. No. But he's a guy that you can pinch hit with. He's going to be a good enough hitter to be the 25th guy on the oh, bench, for example. Yeah. No, I mean, he's he's a, he's a, a not unreasonable pinch hitting option, but... He's not going to be, you know, the people who are like he should start every day offensively. No, no, he shouldn't. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think so either. I mean, I think he he can provide real value. I don't think they've utilized this enough, and maybe they will next year when the uh, the roster rules change. But he can provide real value to a team as a relief pitcher who can be a pinch hitter and can also, uh, you know, uh, you can sub him in in the outfield and he's not going to kill you. As a matter of fact, he'll help you uh, over some people in the outfield. So. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested in this guy, and I like uh, sort of fun novelties like this a little bit. So I thought it was interesting he actually got a start in center field. Yeah, that's fun. It's fun. And then, uh, well, we'll talk later about what happened. So anyway, uh, the 2020 Reds. Do we start with uh, Do we start with Aquino and work work back from there because he's clearly the best player. Well, and I don't know if I would give him that. I don't know if I would give him that. <laughs> Uh, mantle as of yet. Do you, do you, let me ask you this, and I go back and forth because, 
you know, the front office has burned us so many times over the last five years. And yeah. we, we've said a number of times this current front office has shown all kinds of signs that it's a completely different outlook, that they're just – everything's different about the way they do business there. But are you a little worried that they just check that box and say, well, we've got right field covered now because we've got a Kino and not try to uh, upgrade there? Is there still a nagging worry for you about that? No, because frankly, unless you're getting somebody who's really going to knock your socks off via trade, I don't know who they're going to get that I would necessarily bet on to be better than a keynote. Right, but what, what, if they, what if they can't acquire if, someone? They have to be trying, right? They have to be trying to upgrade right field. I don't think that right field should be the goal, no. I think, and, and you know, I should say the deal is right now, your options, I'm thinking in terms of free agency. There's there's Aquino, and there's Puig, and then you could maybe get Ozuna, but Ozuna can't really play right. And Ozuna, Ozuna and Puig are more known quantities than Aquino. Aquino has larger error bars on his performance next year, but I think on average you would expect him to be around as good as either of those guys is going to be. So I don't know that acquiring either of them really does you any good in terms of increasing your projected win total i think if you're going to improve the reds you improve in different spots well okay yes but i think right field is among those spots it's not the number one place i'm looking to improve but you know and and i agree you may not be able to improve there via free agency but i'm just you know i don't want to criticize aquino because i'm desperately in love with that guy but uh I, i just don't i they may not be able to what what you're saying is they may not be able to upgrade and that's that's a possibility but i think it needs to be on their radar i'm afraid the old reds front office would pull a chris steins on us and just hand hand in the position you know what i mean yeah but i mean do you i i guess i think you know what it really depends on for me is september that's true if that's true there's still some time left yeah it's even in the same universe as his august then give him right field next year Along with the AAA numbers where he, uh, you know, killed the ball. Yeah. And, if, and If he falls to pieces or something like that, then all right, let's audition some other folks. You know, his on-base percentage in uh, Louisville this year was 356, 371 uh, for the Reds right now. And it's largely batting average driven on both levels because he doesn't take a ton of walks. Although he's been, uh, he has a lot better play discipline than I actually expected from his yeah, past he, history. Yeah, he takes kind of, he, he walks a little bit below league average. Right, but not like crazy below it, like I was expecting. And if he keeps hitting like he is, his walk rate will go up just because they'll stop pitching to him. Yeah, and, and, and also his on-base percentage does not have to be that great if he keeps hitting with the power that he has. I mean, you know, you can make up for that somewhat. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just really wonder whether he has officially penciled himself in the, into the Reds' plans. And you're right, the next three weeks or so are really going to have something to say about that as well. But so far, so good. I, I like the guy. Um, with the Reds, uh, Jeff Brantley today was making the uh, case for Jose Peraza to be a starter for the Reds next year. Now, you've been a big Peraza fan in the past, as have I. I mean, I've agreed with yeah. everything you've said about Peraza. But, man, I don't know how you make that case at this point. I mean, you know, he is what he is, and I'm just uh, – I don't know. I don't. I don't know the process here next year. Yeah, that's so. I I have a fairly, I have some fairly convoluted thoughts about the Reds' middle infield situation. Should I share them? <laughs> yeah, only if they're convoluted. 
All right. So here are the current players on the Reds roster, like the 40-man, okay, who could theoretically, and I'm not including Iglesias because he's a free agent, but who could theoretically see time as middle infielders next year. Okay. okay? Ready? I'm ready. We got Freddie Galvis. I've heard of him. We got Jose Peraza. We got Josh Van Meter. We got Alex Blandino. We got Derek Dietrich. And we got Kyle Farmer. Do you have to also put Senzel in there? No, I think he's the center fielder. I think I think if Nick Senzel, I think if the Reds acquire like a center fielder somehow who that moves Nick Senzel back to second base, then that's an entirely different discussion. And probably a good thing. If they can acquire someone that they would prefer in center field over Senzel, we're, yeah. probably, we're probably in pretty good shape. He's probably a pretty good player. Right. Yeah. So this is what I think. I, I am of the opinion that the middle infield is – precisely like where the Reds should focus their energies. Um, I think they, there are a number of players who are, well, there are two good free agents who are going to be out there. One really great free agent who will be out there in the unlikely event they can make a run at Anthony Rendon um, and, and get him over at second base. That would be great. But I just, I just drooled on my microphone. Right. There's also Didi Gregorius. And then there have been like sort of trade rumbling issues that I've heard about other guys, basically shortstops on teams that are bad, um, who might be trade candidates. So basically my opinion is this. If the Reds get a shortstop such that Freddie Galvis becomes the backup at short, okay, Peraza is then not on the team. And Blandino is also not on the team. I think Farmer isn't on the team in any circumstance. And then it, you have probably have Van Meter at second, and then you have like Dietrich Galvis as sort of like backup players. If they get a second baseman, then I think either Peraza or Blandino sticks as the backup shortstop. I'm not sure which, though I lean Blandino. I like Blandino as a backup. At both it's in got more back Peraza, but the defense is is not. It's good enough. It's good. Blandino, it's good enough, though, don't you think, to be a backup at both middle infield positions? Is a backup, yeah. As a backup, it's good enough. But it, he's not somebody I would want spelling me every day if if like Galvis got hurt or something. But yeah, but do you want Galvis as your starting shortstop? No. I mean, yeah, if we're talking dream scenarios here. Yeah. I think Freddie Galvis is probably fine. I think the issue is that the Reds have a whole bunch of two wins above replacement players, and somewhere they need some four and six wins above replacement players. Right. They got some pretty good players. Yeah, and they just need to upgrade. They need a, in in you know a couple of spots. They need serious upgrades in order to become a contender. I've thought about this more. We've talked off and on about what the Reds should do this off season, and we've dreamed about you know trading for Francisco Lindor and. We've talked about Didi Gregorius and Yasmani Grandal and you know, what should the Reds do? And, and the more I think about it, the more I come around to the idea that the Reds should throw all the money, literally all the money, back up the Brinks truck to get Anthony Rendon here. I mean, Rendon is just, uh, you know, he'll be 30, he'll yeah. be 30 next year, but he's a six-win player this year. Yeah. He's been a six-win player in two of the last three seasons, and then the, his down year was – Last year, when he was only a four point two win player, yeah, 
He's played a significant amount of second base. Yeah. Uh, I think you move him back there. Or, heck, if he wants to play third, you move Suarez, as far as I'm concerned, to second base. Um, I, I don't know. I just, it seems to me that if the Reds are going to make a splash in the free agency market, and I don't know if they are, but if they are, it seems to me like there's your bang for the buck. That this is a guy that you put in the middle of the lineup, and immediately you know, this team is significantly better. Am I overrating Anthony Rendon? No, I, I agree with you completely. Um, I got in a discussion with somebody on Twitter recently, and this is my, my thoughts basically are this. If the Reds want to be a genuine contender next year, then they could add Rendon, or they could add Didi Gregorius and Yasmani Grandal. Which will cost the same thing probably as adding Rendon, or maybe more. Dad, both right. those I guys, think, yeah. I think those are equivalent. Like, I think in terms of improvement over your current team. Upgrades, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that those two players are roughly equal to Rendon in terms of what you could reasonably project. Um, and I know a lot of people are down on DD, and he's just, I mean, he had, he missed a large part of the year with an injury, but it doesn't seem to be anything that's lingering, and he's been playing well since he came back. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about him on that front. And he's, he's had four win seasons the last two years before this year. And he'll be the top available shortstop despite the injuries or what he's going to, he's still going to attract plenty of interest with Rendon. I think you're going to have to outbid the nationals. I, my guess is the nationals are going to try to back up their own Brinks truck to sign Rendon after letting Harper escape last year. I imagine just for public relations purposes, not to mention the fact that he's a darn good ball player, they're going to want to keep him around. So I don't know, but Though I have heard, I read something on it that basically it's a the ball is in the team's court situation right now. Yeah. Which well, makes it interesting. It is, absolutely. So, you know, I, I want the Reds to upgrade more than just at one position. But if we go into next season with the team as currently constituted, but you add Rendon at second yeah. base, I'm not confident of the playoffs. But it's a team that'll be intriguing, and I'll you know I'll sort of go to war with that team. I, I think it's a team that that could well, could be okay. Let me ask let me ask you this. Let me let me put this situation out there. What if the Reds? I eyeballed it yesterday, I think, and it looks to me like they'll have about thirty million dollars to spend in the offseason if they want to maintain the payroll level. If they want to go up, then that's a different matter but if they want to maintain their current level they've got about 30 million bucks so what if they signed Rendon which 30 million would probably do that um and then they used whatever they could trade from the farm system to acquire one more serious bat well it depends on what the serious bat is but I think that I think you're talking about trading India and or Hunter Green or whoever's still available out there. About trading both of them. Yeah. And more, perhaps. Maybe you get back uh, Marte from the Diamondbacks. Ooh. Yeah, I could be. I could. Short. Yeah, you, if you had a bat like that, along with Rendon, I don't know how this team's not the favorite in the National League Central. Two players. Yeah. I mean, really, two players. With the way the pitching's developed. Uh, yeah, I, we're dreaming though. That's what I'm afraid of. We're dreaming. We are. We are. We are dreaming. But you know, if the Reds are guys are going to get traded in the offseason. Yes. You know, and you know, a team like the Diamondbacks, 
I mean, are they really going to compete with the Dodgers anytime soon? No. Yeah, maybe they want to reload. I mean, they already tra- they traded Zach Greinke, so they're, they're you know they're not far away from yeah reloading mode. How about this question? I'm gonna drop this one on you that I didn't tell you to anticipate this one, so I'm gonna drop it on me. Drop this, it. Yeah, this is a little unfair, but of all the players on the Reds' uh, 25 man roster right now, or the 25 players that have functionally played most of the year for the Reds this year, yeah, the, the legitimate players for the team, who is yeah. the most likely to be traded of the big league guys in the off season? Hmm. I have somebody in mind, but I, I wanted to see if you wanted to. I've got. I'm. I'm staring at it right now, and I've got three. Well, I got. Uh, there are four guys I would not at all be shocked to see traded. Okay. Should I just name all four? Sure. Jesse Winker, Tucker Barnhart, Anthony DeSclafani, and Rysel Iglesias. And I'm talking about trades where we would expect something back, not trades like for a player to be named later. Yeah, Scooter Jeanette dumps. Yeah. My answer to that question was Jesse Winker. I think he's probably most likely to be traded, which I hate because I love Jesse Winker, and I think he can be a really good player. I mean, he is a really good player. He is, yeah. Uh, You know, he just has to stay healthy, which he's had some difficulty doing since he came to the major leagues, Uh, well, even in the minors. And you can't let him bat against left-handed pitchers. But most pitchers are right-handed, and I think he can provide real value to this team. He has this year. He's been better than anybody realizes. Platoon is really a fabulous option in left field. Yeah. If you, I mean, yeah, if you can't, if you can't upgrade. But I, I see him being kind of the guy. Disclafani as well. I think if I were the Reds, I'd be actively trying to shop him. He's, yeah. had, he's had a good season. People don't want to hear that, evidently. But, the, the only issue with, with Disclafani is that then you're, you're short a pitcher. And you can never have too much pitching. Yeah, I mean, I want I, yeah, a lot. Of that's going to well, depend maybe on that Alex Wood is willing to talk. Yeah, that's what I was. That's where I was going. Alex Wood has been not great, and so uh, is his market. Even to the extent that he might just take a, a one-year deal or a two-year, you know, some kind of short deal and try to rebuild his value. You know, he's twenty-eight. Yeah. Um, he's still going to want to hit the free agency market and, and have his chance at a big payday. But this is the worst time for him to be uh, hitting the market after all the injuries. The back issues flared back up, and his ERA was almost six in the uh, seven games he was out there. So uh, I would love to bring – I'm still in favor of bringing Alex Wood back. He didn't all of a sudden become a terrible pitcher overnight. He, you know, he's yeah. been a good pitcher in his career, and so uh, he's been better than what we've seen. But, you know, give me the pitchers they've got right now, and I'll, that's a group I will go to war with next year. You know, Castillo and Gray at the top. Um, Trevor Bauer, we got a question about him later. I don't know what the – I don't know what to say about the Trevor Bauer, but then you've got uh, Tyler Malley, who's you and I both agree is he will be in the rotation all year long next year, and is yeah. pro- will probably end up as one of the top three pitchers in the rotation. You want you want to you want to hear you want to hear a bold a bold Tyler Malley prediction? Don't don't say something crazy. Do I'm not say anything crazy. Oh gosh, here we go. You ready? There he goes again. Yes. Are you ready? Chadwick? I don't think I am ready, but it doesn't matter. It seems like you're going to say whatever you want to say anyway. Before Tyler Malley hits free agency, he will make an all-star team. Oh, yeah, that's not crazy. Tyler Malley's going to have some fir- you know, first half of the season where he's going to go 10-1. and one. Yep. You know, I mean, that, that's going to happen. The kid's 24. 
He's 24. You know, he's been roughly a league average pitcher this year. I know he's 2-10 and 10 for those yeah. of you that, that care about that sort of thing. He's been a, pretty much a league average pitcher at age 24. He's going to be, and, and every step of the way, he's been fantastic. He's gotten hitters out everywhere. Tyler Malley is the least of my worries with this pitching staff. I agree. And th- there are so many people, and I don't understand why. It's crazy. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Just discount him entirely. Because he's 2-10, and 10, I guess. Not- you know? Well, watching the games, they're just looking at the numbers to shout something back at them that they always shout at me. Right, yeah. Well, and, and they're looking at numbers like the four points. Or do you watch the games? <laughs> they're also looking at that 4.72 ERA, which is not yeah. good, but in today's offensive environment, it's not like a 4.72 ERA was, you know, just a, a couple years ago. No, and his peripherals are better than Bauer. Oh, his peripherals are better than everybody on the team except for Castillo and Gray. Really? You know, um, I don't know. I'm... I'm a huge fan of Tyler Malley, and there's, he's 2-10 and 10 this year, and I've not seen a single thing that has made me lose any faith in Tyler right. Malley's ability. I am, I am right there for Tyler Malley, right there for him. And as, as it's been for the last few years, it's the one place where you and I have consistently agreed, which is that we're co-presidents of the Tyler Malley fan club. Here's, here's a crazy one for you. Are you ready for this? I'm just looking at stats. I'm not ready, but this is your podcast. Say what you want. He So Malley does not quite have enough innings to qualify because – you know, where he was hurt. Mm-hmm. But if he did, his ex-FIP, which is I don't, a fairly good predictor of future performance, I suppose is how we should bill it, would have him as like the 23rd best pitcher in baseball. Why don't you get your uh, nose out of the stats and watch a game every once in a while? Well, I've done that too. <laughs> yeah, he passes the eye test as well if, if you're watching yeah. the games. Yeah, no, right. Yeah, his, you know, he's been a little unlucky in some ways. But he's been well. He's been a lot unlucky if you look at that two and ten record for a guy that's been roughly league average. Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, he's that the XFIP. Just for those of you that aren't really familiar with it, essentially to boil it down, it just gives you an idea of of how good he is at doing the things that pitchers can control. Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah, I'm. Uh, he strikes a fair few guys out, and he does not walk people. I'm okay with going to next year. With I mean, really. Castillo, Gray, Malley, Bauer, DiSclefani, not in any particular order, but I'm saying that is a starting five that probably going to be as good as anyone around. It's one of the three or four best in in baseball, I would say. Wow, they got the pitching. They they really did. And I mean, Sonny Gray, wow. (laughs) Like, wow, (laughs) what a delightful surprise you have been all year long. Can we just take a moment to marvel over... Sonny Gray, what kind of a season has that guy had? It's, yeah. I mean, you know, um, he is, uh, after today, he pitched six more innings today uh, of one run ball, four hits. He is, his ERA this year is 2.75. And again, we just talked about the offensive environment now and how, you know, an ERA of four and a half is not awful. His ERA is 2.75. I mean, his. It is incredible. He, his uh, strikeout rate is back with – it's the best of his career, yeah. frankly. Uh, better than what when he was an ace with the A's. Uh, yep. he, he's just – he's – you know, his home run rate is down. I mean, you know, for the guy that's playing in Great American Ballpark. I don't know. There's – the Reds – I can't believe we're, I'm saying this, but it's absolutely, I think, undeniably true. The Reds have two aces. 
And I, yeah, I think clearly so. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it crazy. It is insane. You know, Castillo took the leap that we'd been kind of predicting, hoping for a little yeah. bit. We all, at the beginning of the season, you go back and listen to our podcast, we were like, you know, if Castillo can just take the leap that we expect him to take, he's going to yeah. be an ace. Sonny Gray, you know, I was hoping he would be good enough to be a really solid number two guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's been, uh, there's a reason he was an all-star. I'm just, um, he's another guy I'm madly in love with. Right so, there with Chadwick, right there with you. Awesome. Sonny Gray, gosh. just Every time I look at his stat line, I'm like, whoa, this guy is amazing. And again, Look, looking at wins above replacement from starting pitchers, by the way, uh, the Reds are fourth in the National League this year. The only teams better are the Nationals, the Dodgers, and the Mets, which are probably the three teams you would have guessed if I'd yeah. asked you to guess. Right. And before the season, though, you would not have put the Reds. No one would have guessed that the Reds would be in that mix. No, so, no one at all. They got the pitch in Castellini. Let's hash Brown get the hitting now. Who knew that was going to be an issue? Golly, I know. It's completely – there's a question about that. We'll talk about that in a moment in our viewer mail segment. But So, uh, you know, before this season we said uh, the the pitching was the question, the hitting would be okay, and it's it's flipped around. So, But there, there's no reason, though, to believe that – like we thought this year's hitting was going to be pretty good. Okay, I don't think we predicted they would be great, like top of the league. But we thought they'd be good enough. Yeah, and like then, a little bit above average. Right. Now, But the question is we expect this pitching staff to be – pretty good next year i don't think that's unrealistic given health given health good if the the pitching should be significantly above average their staff is good enough now that it would be surprising if they were the best like staff in the league but it wouldn't be shocking right right i want him to sign alex wood and have uh de sclafani be the like number six guy i want to see de sclafani as the short uh, short guy out of the bullpen frankly at this point and then if you have to stretch him out to be a starter in case of injury, that's fine. But yeah, yeah. I think I think his pitch mix would work well. All right, so um, we have some questions that will take us a little bit more through the 2020 season. So you want to go ahead and dig into some uh, some viewer mail? Let us dig into some listener mail, Chadwick. Hash Brown viewer mail. As always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. Before we get to uh, to these first set of questions, which are submitted by our our friends and supporters at patreon.com, patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you too can support the podcast if you wish. You don't have to. This podcast is free, but there you get some perks if you support us over at Patreon. I want to go ahead and give a thank you to Kyle Kapler. Kyle Kapler, newest uh, supporter at Patreon, cannot uh, thank you enough for supporting uh, the podcast. Cap- Kapler, great viewer. Now the question, though, is Kyle Kapler. What position is Kyle Kapler? What position does he play? What position does he play? Kyle Kapler. Yeah, feels like bat first utility infielder. You think so? Yeah. I was thinking like a big time power left fielder. He doesn't have great on base skills, but he can mash the ball and he, he's got he's got um, Lorenzen type biceps. See, it made me think about Derek Dietrich for some reason. So we're not that far off of each other. I think I was thinking of Gabe Kapler. Probably, and I probably was too. And we just went to the nearest ball player who, right. yeah, yeah. So, Kyle, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, joining uh, our dedicated group of viewers growing by the week at uh, patreon.com slash redlegradio. Our first question comes from Matt LaCron, another great name. Matt LaCron's question, how likely is a Eugenio Suarez to continue what he's doing? Will this season be the best of his career? 
Now, I want to, you and I talked before we came on, and we want to talk a little bit about Suarez. Let yeah. me answer that second question first. Will this season be the best of his career? The answer to that is no, because this season's not as good as last season. It's been a good season, very good season. 41 home runs now. You know, it's, yep. been, a, it's been a very good season, but uh, he's already had one better than this one. But then that goes to the other question. 27 years old, Eugenio Suarez actually just turned 29, but this is, or 28, this is his age 27 season. Is this, uh, is he going to continue this? How likely is he to continue what he's doing? Do you have any thoughts on that? I'm very. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that you're right. Last season was better than this season. The average and the on-base percentage are down a little bit this year. Strikeouts are up a little bit. Part of that's the environment. Um, you know, the 40 home runs, honestly, I mean, I love Gino. I'm a, a noted Gino devotee. But the homers for everybody this year are up a bit because of the ball. Um, I think overall, Gino is, is essentially the same player he's been for the last couple of years. Uh, and I don't see any reason that that should change for the foreseeable future. You know, barring some sort of injury or something, I think that, that we've got a good player for the next three, four, five years, however long his contract is. And I do, I will continue to say that I think somewhere along the line, there's a fair chance he has one of those seasons where everything really clicks and we get like an MVP type season out of him. Yeah, you've been saying that for a while. And I guess I should go ahead and note before uh, we go any further that because you because you referenced it, he's a Cincinnati Red through uh, through the 2025 season. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. It's glorious. Yeah, I think he's you know a pretty good bet to be who he's been. Uh, to continue this for the foreseeable future anyway. You know, he's going to be 28 in the upcoming season. Now, I think you're right. There's not uh, not insignificant chance that he does become – he have that one year where everything just kind of clicks. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, I'm not going to guarantee that. But I think he's a three-and-a-half to, you know, four-and-a-half win player. I think you can get that out of him for the uh, next few years. And that's a, that's a really solid player and uh, a guy that you love having around. I have to say this. I never thought I'd see a season where he hit 41 home runs. And I know it's the environment. It's a big part of that, but I mean, you got to admit, you didn't see that coming. No, so uh, not at all. And it's fun that he's set a career high in homers every year of his career so far. Oh, interesting. That's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And if he can get just what he needs, seventeen RBI this year, and he'll have set a, a career high in RBI every season. Also, hmm, runs batted in. That's what RBI runs batted in. Yeah. Yes. You know, uh, you are the one guy that I can kind of talk to about this because you and I share this this uh, sort of love of looking at these, some of these players in their historical context. and yeah. Because we've discussed Joey Votto a number of times. How does he rate in Reds history and, and Major League history and all that? And so, I, you know, I looked up uh, Suarez. And Suarez is already probably the third best third baseman in the history of the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, you can argue it. He may be the fourth best. Yeah, so you've got him behind Tony Perez and Heine Grow, right? Right, and arguably, it depends on, you know, Chris Sabo is probably third on the list in terms of all-time contributions to the Reds. It, 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 strictly by uh, wins above replacement, Suarez is actually still behind Todd Frazier, barely. Yeah, but uh, that's going to change. I mean, that, yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll pass everybody except for Sabo, Rowe and Perez next year, and he might pass Sabo next year. Yeah, he could get Sabo next year. Yeah, um, with a good year. And uh, but if but you know, I look at some, a number of other things. 
His career slugging percentage, Suarez 478, highest ever by a third baseman in Reds history. Yep. Again, some of that's environmental, but whatever. There have been good hitting environments in the past as well. Um, he is, uh, his career weighted runs created plus, WRC plus. It's the third best in his, in the history. And that's something that kind of waits for, you know, uh, over gener- over uh, various eras. Perez and Grewer, the only third baseman, have a higher one at this point. He has, he's already second all time in franchise home runs for third baseman. And, and hit with his uh, 40th home run, he broke the record for a third baseman in a season, uh, in single season. <laughs> Catching Perez pretty quick as a for third base home runs, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. He's he's second all time right now, and he's just twenty, just this age twenty seven season. Second with a bullet, like oh, easy. And uh, when he gets thirty eight more runs batted in, he's going to be second on the RBI list for third baseman. So, and, and again, he's going to be around for another six seasons if you know, assuming that he stays healthy and that he's not traded. But uh, I, by the time it's over. I'm not going to predict that he's going to get up into the 40-plus wins above replacement area for a career uh, because that's maybe asking a little bit too much of the guy. But uh, I wouldn't put it, a, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it out of his range to uh, at some point catch Heine Grow. But again, I think he's probably going to end up being one of the greatest players, in all, uh, a Reds Hall of Famer, and uh, again, a guy that's just fun to watch. And uh, he's one of the guys that I'm excited to watch every day. You know, barring injury, I had to just really quickly like look this up barring injury he's going to pass tony perez for the most home runs in history by a reds third baseman um either next year or the year after that's something it's i uh, it's coming in a hurry and i i haven't sat down and done the joe luckup thing where you like break down exactly which games he played when and where he hit the home runs but it just just a quick and dirty look. It's either going to be next year or the year after. He will pass Perez, and he'll have the most home runs by a third baseman in Reds history. Wow. Eugenio Suarez is good. Um, he's, I think, very likely for at least the next two or three seasons to continue, uh, Matt, to go back to your question, to con- quote-unquote continue what he's doing. I don't see any reason, as long as he's healthy, I don't see any reason he won't. I mean, uh, we've got enough of a track record now to know that this is who this guy is, and and I like him. All right, uh, John Sheary has two questions for us. The first one is, why can't the Reds just win? I wonder if anyone's actually put it to him in that way. I mean, they just won today. That's true. They did just win. Yeah. Literally today. Do you think, though, that David Bell should just, as they're getting ready to run down on the field, just say, hey, guys, why don't you just win? I mean, just remind him that that's an option sometimes. Try it. We could see what happens. You never know. Uh, John's the second question uh, at patreon.com slash redlegradio is, I have legitimate concerns with uh, Trevor Bauer now after his last game and interview. I didn't see the interview, so I don't know. But uh, Bauer doesn't take responsibility for his poor performances, according to John. Do you see Bauer being a solid pitcher in 2020 for the Reds? So far, he hasn't produced the expected results. Well, hasn't produced the expected results is a little bit of an understatement. He has an ERA with the Reds of 8.23s, one and four in seven starts. So, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer, do, the question really is, do you see Bauer being a solid pitcher in 2020 for the Reds? Probably. Yeah, he's probably um, a number three starter. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the number four starter. Well, if he's the fourth best starter, 
I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But I, I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if you put up a season. I think we can count on him maybe to put up a yeah. season that you would expect of a number three star. I guess is the reason I put it that way. Yeah, I think uh, if we're if we're being cold and honest about things, last year looks like it might have been a little bit of a fluke for Bauer. An outlier, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm staring at his numbers right now, and what really pops out is that his home run rate last year was really low. Um, and so that might have, you know, he basically might have had a little bit of luck right there. And, you know, going forward, he might be much more in the two to three wins above replacement style pitcher that he was before that, as opposed to the five or six wins above replacement pitcher that he was last year. Yeah, he, he probably was never an ace, and, he you know, he's not a good bet to be an ace next year. I think I yeah. think there's a pretty decent shot that he's going to be good enough to be a pretty good number three starter. But yeah. I, I also think there's a not insignificant – I'm not going to predict this, but I think there's a chance that you – know, he's one of these driveline guys and uh, that he, in a contract year, figures out what's going on while working with Derek Johnson. And I would not be surprised, though, if he had a, not a year like he had last year, 2018 – but that he bumps his performance up significantly and, and pushes Castillo and Gray for the best. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I wouldn't predict that. I'm not betting the ranch on it. Yeah, I think I think that's probably like his 75th or 80th percentile. Yeah, yeah. So. Like it could happen, but it's not the most likely occurrence. Right, right. So uh, now you know his uh, performance this year though has been absolutely horrific and uh, not been a good introduction to. I think he's also not a maybe not with this bad performance, but I think he's also not a bad trade candidate as well. I can see the Reds, whatever value he still got, because, you know, he did have that year in 2018, flipping, yeah. him, flipping him for uh, for something that that helps. So, though, though, again, I mean, then that just creates more difficulty, which is who do you fill in there? Um, yeah, you need more than five pitchers. Yeah. What the Reds really need, and this is a, a, a little, little bit of a tangent, but it's something I've, I've said on Twitter is we really need to pay attention to who do the Reds have that they can stash at AAA, starting pitcher-wise. Because all of the guys that, that you're thinking of as established starters or marginal guys, they're all out of options. Yep, all this, uh, all the pitching depth that they accumulated in the sort of half you know, rebuild that they, yeah. when they started the rebuild, right? The, the Cody Reeds and the Robert Stevensons and the... On the upside, Vladimir Gutierrez, who was a mess earlier in the year, has really turned it around. So expect him to be added to the 40-man. Uh, TJ Antone has had a very nice season between AA and AAA. I would expect him to be added to the 40-man. TJ Antone? That sounds like a character from Saturday Night Fever. It does. But he exists, nevertheless. And I would expect those to be your... There's a weird doubleheader spot start slash somebody... Yeah. Tweak to back muscle, like up and down kind of guys next year. It, it, that's going to be one of the, for those of us that, you know, are interested in this sort of thing, for most people, you know, what's going on with these pitchers on the margins, who cares? But for you and I, I think, gonna be, and, and the people that are listening to this podcast, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what the Reds do with this group of pitchers who are all out of, you know, Cody Reed, to me, that's guy that needs to be in the bullpen next year if he's healthy. And I expect that he will be in the bullpen next year if he's healthy. But you got so many of these guys that the Reds are going to, have to cut bait with some, you know, uh, Jackson Stevens has had some good years in AAA, but he's gone. I mean, they're not, you know, he's, he's gone. They're not. Oh, and, and, and by the way, if anybody goes and like kind of goes to look up these guys' numbers or whatever from AAA, keep in mind that they did use the major league ball this year. And 
the average ERA in AAA was basically five this year. So if you're below five, you're above average. Right, right. Yeah, you do have to look at the environment there that's just uh, similar to the major league environment. So I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Joe Farsing asked, give me some legitimate optimism for 2020 besides Luis Castillo. I presume it means Luis Castillo. And Sonny. I presume it means Sonny Gray. Give me some legitimate optimism for 2020 besides Luis and Sonny. You want this one? You want me to grab it? You go first. We've kind of gotten into this a little bit uh, already. My reasons for legitimate optimism is the Reds can add one or two players, and this is immediately a team that's worth watching. I think that this team going into next year is going to be a lot different because if they add add somebody. Because you got guys like Josh Van Meter and Nick Senzel and Aristides Aquino who are in the mix right now that appear to at least be pieces of the puzzle and whether they're just uh, bench guys, you know, uh, that will be helpful. I think that the depth is better. I think that the Reds have identified where the holes are and they've also identified some guys specifically at Kino and Van Meter that possibly have come out of nowhere, but can, can help the team. So I think that they're a lot closer than this record uh, would indicate. But then again, we've been saying all year that this team's better than its record. And I still believe that against uh, some uh, evidence to the contrary. So I think the reasons for optimism are the pitching is very likely to be good again. And if we go to bat next year with the same team we have now, I would I would not be optimistic. But, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that the Reds will uh, go out and acquire uh, a couple guys. So that's the best I've got. You got anything there? I got a couple things. I think I would point out, yeah, that the Reds, believe it or not, still have a positive run differential. Right. So just true talent-wise, they should be right around 500. You know, their, their run differential is barely positive, but it is. Um, I think Nick Senzel is really a good candidate to take a step forward. I think he has had time. the rookie year that sometimes guys have. You know what I mean? Sure. But he's been fine. He's not been he's a superstar. Been he's he's hasn't been what we hoped he would be. No, but, there, uh, but there's no reason to believe he won't be that. Right. But like lots of guys come up and they, they kind of take a little bit of time to adjust. And then once that adjustment is made, look out. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we saw from Nixon Zell um, going forward. I kind of expect him to be, in the long run, uh, kind of a Jesse Winker type hitter. Maybe a little bit lower on the on-base percentage. But that's kind of what where I think he's heading. But way better defensively and a, a really valuable player. Yeah, yeah, I think I can see that. Oh, I'm, I'm on the. I'm still. I'm still a Sinzel fan. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. I think Van Meter, Aquino. I think those are guys. You know, think about it this way: Would you rather have Van Meter and Aquino or Jeanette and Kemp? <laughs> uh, oh, here we go, Scooter again. Yeah, no, really. That's where we were to start this season. So we never would have expected it would be Aquino and Van Meter, I don't think. But I don't think yeah. it's unquestionable that those guys are uh, vastly superior in terms of what they can bring to next year's Reds over what – I mean, we knew what Scooter and Kemp were going to bring, and we were right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, mean, I think there are reasons. I think there are real reasons to be optimistic. But it's, it's going to all depend on what they do to improve the team in the offseason. I would not be optimistic if they if they go to – to bat with the team they've currently as currently constituted. Yeah, I, I, well, and frankly, it would feel like a forfeiture of whatever promise the Reds have made. Right. Yeah. So 
They've got. But I mean, I also think, and we've said this before, that the trade for Bauer was about next year, not this year. And if that's the case, I don't see how they can go into next year cutting payroll. Yeah, they got to go all in. If yeah. if they're if they're ever going to go all in, it has to be this off season. It's got yeah, and it's I mean, do it, go. I, I don't know how you I don't know how you pretend to you know kick it down the, the can down the road another year. Yeah. So, Thomas Dennis asks, you know, what I love about Thomas Dennis, by the way, is that he has two first names and two last names. I mean, that's rare. Kudos to Thomas Dennis. Dennis Thomas, no problem. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a great, I mean, that's a, you know, we talk about Van Meter being like a versatile guy, play a lot of positions, do a lot of good things. Thomas Dennis, that's a versatile name. Yeah. His first question is, and he had uh, a couple Actually, had a question and a comment, but his question was, am I a bad fan? The answer to that is no, but let me explain what, what else he says here. Am I a bad fan? I have to take a break. I love the team. We'll still follow them, listen to the pod, etc., but I just can't bring myself to watch. The Cardinals series broke me. And I think you'll answer the same thing that I will here. It's not even a question. <laughs> You're not a bad fan. I mean, I've taken breaks. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah. I don't watch them now. I find myself listening to Marty just because it's the last chance I'm going to have to listen to Marty. Yeah. So I'm still listening to the games, but I don't know that I would be right now. I mean, I would be probably, I put it on the background. I'm not watching anything else. Anyway, that's just my thing. But no, Thomas, look, you are one of our, uh, you're one of the viewers of the podcast. You're a Patreon supporter. So clearly you are invested in this team. You care about this team. So, no, we got to take a break sometimes. Absolutely. Um, can we talk about Marty for just a moment since that I said that, though? Let's let's talk about Marty. You know, uh, we got less than a month of Marty left. And I am, what did Chris Garber call me, a, a, a gooey, field of dreams type baseball fan or something, you know. I am, I'm, I'm a little emotional about Marty, and I don't get emotional. I'm a little emotional about Marty's final month as Reds broadcaster. Am I a bad fan, Jason? No. I've got I've got Marty feelings too, man. I've got Marty feelings too. Uh, God, I mean, for all of us, that's you know we've said it before. That's that's childhood, right? Like, well, it's it's literally our entire lives. Yeah. I'm, literally, that's not a you know that's not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Just... Marty Herman has literally been the Reds broadcaster. For my entire life. Yes. I turned 39 a little more than a month ago. Wow, you're old. I'm only 26. I know. Wow. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I keep using the term the soundtrack of our childhood, but it's really been the soundtrack. He's been in the background my entire life. It's, who else, who else other than, you know, your parents, your family has been, you know, have you heard their voice your entire life? So I know there are legitimate reasons that people are upset with Marty being sort of a bitter old guy the last few years. Whatever, you know, I, I think that's there's some uh, there's some truth to that. But he's, a, I don't know. I, I want to after after the season, I probably want to dig back into this a little bit more. But I, I don't think people understand sometimes when we're so invested in the day to day of the Reds and and he's not said good things about guys we love like Fado. Whatever, I know that. But how many people in your life have you been listening to literally your entire life? To me, that's just when he's gone, it's going to really, I'm going to be emotional about it. I just, 
Anything else you want to say about Marty? I don't know. I just, I don't even really know what to say. It's kind of the same deal. I, you know, I, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Moving on. Let's move on. Yes, absolutely. Thomas had a second comment and I wanted to go ahead and read it because uh, we talked uh, off the top here about you uh, taking a little bit of a step back. And I think Thomas uh, said this in the, the feeling that you might be taking a step back from the podcast as well. And I'm glad to hear that you're not doing that, at least uh, not right now. But Thomas says, uh, number two is thank you, Jason. I feel like a more engaged and informed fan, in part thanks to him. I do see the irony based on my last comment he said about him being a bad fan. But um, Thomas, hey, listen, I'm with you, man. I feel more engaged and more informed by my uh, regular conversations with Jason. So I guess if we're do- performing his eulogy here, uh, thank you, Jason. Well, everyone is very welcome. It's been nice. It's it's. I've heard some nice things uh, with the announcement, and it's it's nice to hear nice things sometimes. Well, so I appreciate the comments from everybody. Yeah, I've been pleased that uh, the fans of the podcast have reached out a little bit just to just to say how much uh, value you've brought to uh, all of our experience following the Reds. So anyway, Kyle Kapler, our newest Patreon at Patreon at patreon.com slash Radio. Now here's one that uh, I'll dig into first because I've kind of looked at it a little bit. Uh, Kyle's question is a little bit specific, but I, I like the way he's thinking. Between Mitch Haniger, Jorge Soler, or Brian Anderson, who can you see the Reds acquiring this offseason? Now, it seems to me like uh, like Kyle is focusing a little bit on the right field. Yeah. I would throw Nick Castellanos in that mix as well, if, uh, presuming he becomes a free agent. I could see the Reds. He, I don't know. He seems like he would fit. But uh, so just just briefly about these guys for those of you that don't follow other teams uh, as much. Uh, Mitch Haniger is a guy who's not had a great season, frankly. Um, yeah. Matter of fact, that's actually an understatement. He's had a pretty poor season. But he's a guy who uh, is 28 this year. Injuries this year. Really only had one full season, but uh, uh, obviously he was uh, an all-star as a 27-year-old for Seattle. Um. He's a guy that I could see as a pretty decent bounce back candidate. I, I don't know. I probably prefer him over. Uh, no, I definitely prefer him over Aquino. He was a six win player last year. Um, but it's closer than it should be, given that he was an all star and a six win player at age twenty seven. Um, the injury stuff is real, and uh, and he's he's not been good this year. Jorge Soler. Slayer, obviously a Kansas City Royal, who's really having kind of a kind of a breakout season, I guess you would say. But at age 27, it's a 2.6 win player right now by Baseball Reference. Good numbers, I think, really good numbers across the board. Uh, 40 home runs. I mean, he's had a breakout year. I like the guy. Um, again, is that a guy that you trust over Aristides Aquino? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, he's a Cuban though, and. Uh, I'm a, a verified fan of Yasiel Puig, who's also a Cuban. So, other guys, Brian Anderson, Anderson, of course, with the uh, with the Marlins. Anderson's a guy who I think of the three, I'm probably more intrigued. He'll be just 27 next year, roughly a four win player each of the last couple of years. Um, some pop, not a crazy uh, home run hitter, but uh, gets on base. Uh, I'm a fan of, uh, yeah. of of Brian Anderson. Of those three, I probably lean towards. Brian Anderson, and that's going to depend largely on the Marlins, you know, being willing to deal. But yeah, uh, I, I would tend to agree, especially because he's he's going to have it looks like four seasons of control. Yeah, that's a guy that I would like to have with the Reds for the next few years. I think he's likely to be an effective contributor. 
Yeah, but that's again. I, I I'm firmly in the camp that, that middle infield is really where the the effort should be focused. Well, to the extent you have to focus it somewhere, yes, I agree. But I don't think we need to ignore opportunities uh, elsewhere. I guess, but priorities. Yeah, the priorities when you're making your list, I agree, needs to be middle infield. So yeah, can I can I actually can I can I do a quick outfield ramble? I wish you would. I love your rambles. Well, so one of the things that I I'm, have become really skeptical about and cautious of is kind of like, I guess, defensive measurement, but especially if the Reds where the outfield is. Because, like, Winker, for instance, rates very poorly in terms of wins above replacement because his defense doesn't rate as good and because it's not good. <laughs> but I'm also not entirely convinced that it really matters in great American ballpark. So with outfielders, I really tend to just look at how good of a hitter are they. And... Winker's a good hitter, you know, and so I'm not I'm not real eager, I guess, to replace him. I think I think if, if he can get 450 at bats against you know right-handers, I'm I'm perfectly happy to run him out there. Oh, absolutely, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, and and I think maybe at this point, you you and I kind of share a little bit of a thing, which I'm afraid that I, I don't know if you share this or not. I don't want to hang this on you. Uh, I'll see if you agree or not, but. I'm, I got to kind of watch myself because I'm afraid that I tend to uh, overrate a little bit, give people a little extra bump if they're just fun. They're just fun to watch and they're just fun guys to, on the field. They have a good time out there and they like Puig, yeah. you know, and Winker is just a, I don't know, I like, I like having him on the Reds. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Fun as, is fun. As a fan. Dwight Kelly, Dwight J. Kelly asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio, among those to be free agents after this season, after Rendon and Gregorius, are there any other candidates worthy of consideration for upgrading the infield positions in question? Good question, Dwight. And my answer is, I don't think so. I, you know, I think those are probably the two guys that need to be the. If you're if you're looking to improve, those are I think far and away the top candidates. You agree? Yeah, and I don't think there's any question. And like, there's there's nobody else. And I, I mean, I have stared. Yeah, there's just really not. Deep into the into the free agent category, and yeah, it's those two guys. If you're talking middle infield, it's those two guys, and that's it. What about this? And hear me out, Yasiel Puig, and put him at second base. Do it. Not do it right now. Yeah. All right. Good question, Listen, Dwight. If anything, if we've learned anything from watching the Reds the last few years, it's that literally anyone can play second base. <laughs> they, they've literally put. Anyone there, just because if he they're can. on your roster, try him at second base. <laughs> well, the Reds have had a guy that it was a good hitter, but couldn't play second base, and Scooter, who had two really good seasons, yeah, uh, but couldn't he couldn't play second base, but he sure could hit. Um, let's run through. You know, you and I have some trouble with the uh, rapid fire questions. Rapid, we don't fire rapid, <laughs> but let's try this time. Uh, Twitter, right. Twitter dot com slash Redleg Radio, where you can follow us. Uh, on uh, the worst website in the history of the universe, Joe D asks at JD No O Seven hashed Brown viewer mail. Will Mister Linden still be on the podcast? Joe, we already answered that question. Why are you asking still? Yes, Jason's going to still be on the podcast. I'm still here. You're not getting rid of me yet. Yeah. Why is Joe asking that question? We answered that like you know 45 minutes ago. Good grief, Joe. I love you, Joe. You ask good questions, but man, that's not one. Red Reporter asks. At Red Reporter. Have you seen this website, Red Reporter? I, I have seen that website on the internet machine. It's yeah. okay. That's a good website. It's all right. 
They've got a good uh, they've got a good uh, podcast as well. If you listen to their podcast, it's uh, you yeah. know. They've got a nice little vibe going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad they've uh, relaunched that. Man, this is a golden age of Reds podcast. That we need, we need to discuss that at some point because we're not competitive. We like them all. But uh, Red Reporter asks, did Phil Irvin hit a dinger? Hash brown viewer mail, hash brown hash browns, and hash brown bacon and eggs. Somebody had a little fun with a Red Reporter account. Yeah, Phil Irvin hit a dinger. It was a walk-off today. Yeah. Can, can we just, again... This is us not being good at rapid-fire questions, but can we talk about Phil Irvin for just a moment? Yes. Phil Irvin has been good this year. He has been good this year. you got to watch where you play him, put him in positions to where he's likely to succeed, but Phil Irvin has established himself as a big leaguer. He's a fourth outfielder, essentially. You can give him 400 at-bats next year, and I'm okay. 350 to 400 at-bats, and I'm okay with it. I think he helps the team. What if, and stick with me here, what if he were just platooned with Jesse Winker since he destroys left-handed pitching and also got spot starts, you know, randomly and was kind of the bat-off-the-bench kind of guy? I'm absolutely thrilled with an idea of Winker-Urban platoon, and I've said that before. Uh, I think that is an above-average left fielder. I think – no, I don't think that's an above-average left fielder. I think that is an all-star level left fielder. Right. Well, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but neither of them are all-stars, but put them together, spotting them against the right types of pitchers. I think that that's a – for some reason people don't like Jesse Winker, but I think those two together, left field is not a problem. Now, let's say this. We already talked about Winker's defense. Phil Irvin's defense is not good either. No, it's not. <laughs> yes. I mean, two of them together, if you platoon them, they're going to be, what, 30 to 40% above average as a pair. Yeah, they're going to hit, you know, and 30 you home know, runs, 25 to 30 home runs. Let, let's do the list of outfielders who were 30 to 40% above average this year, right? Now, these these are full players. You know, this, they, they don't have to platoon with anybody, but if we're working a platoon, so you're talking, these are just guys who show up on the Fangraphs leaderboards for having played in the outfield, basically. You ready? Sure, I'm always ready. 30 to 40% above average is hitters. We got Chris Bryant. We got Mookie Betts. We got Austin Meadows. We got Brian Reynolds. We got Michael Brantley. We got Jeff McNeil. (laughs) Bunch of all-stars in that group. That's the level of offensive production, at least, that you would expect out of a Winker Urban platoon if it was a straight platoon. Okay, I'll take it. I'm I'm just saying. Offensively, I'll take it. Defensively, it's probably it's one of the worst left fielders in the baseball. Yeah, but again, that's what you just discussed. How right. how much is that a, an issue? You know, less of an yeah. issue than if you don't have the offense. Uh, Phil Irvin should he's such a good athlete. He should be better, but his arm is one of the worst arms I've ever seen. In turn, I mean, it's not that it's not strong, but man, I mean, he airmails every throw. He can't hit a cutoff man. And I love Phil Irvin. I've become a believer in Phil Irvin. Yeah, in his role as a sort of, you know, fourth outfielder, part-time starter. But uh, <laughs> he, he I've never seen a guy airmail throws like that guy does. Yeah. Love you, though, Phil Irvin. All right, so Phil Irvin did hit a dinger today to answer Red Reporter's question. Doug Gray at DougDirt24 asks, what's the best kind of hash brown? Hashtag viewer mail. Now, are there more than one kind of hash brown? Yes. Are there? See, you're a Kentucky guy now. 
Is that so, a Kentucky food? I don't know. It seems like it might be a Kentucky food. Or like, here, it's a southern food, I guess, right? Hash browns? Yeah, probably. Here's here's my hash. You, are, you ready for my hash brown take? <laughs> now, this is one take that I'm not sure that I'm ready for. All right. So the important thing with hash browns is you cannot be too fussy with it. They've got to be grated. None of this, like, actual chunks of potato. No, no, no. You got, it's got to be grated. And they've got to be crispy. If they're not crisp, if it's soggy, if it's mushy in the middle, no, no, it's got to be crispy. I make a fine hash brown. I'm just going to say, I'll just put it out there. It's, uh, it's not the most difficult thing in the world to make. It is a little bit time consuming, but it is worthwhile. You know, if you were on the fence about supporting this uh, with some of your hard-earned dollars at patreon.com slash radio, if you're on the fence about supporting us, the fact that Jason Lennon just dropped some hash brown analytics on you should be Here. reason enough to kick you over the fence. You want some advanced analytics? <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure that I do. If you want, <laughs> if you really want to get the most out of your hash brown production at home, you got to get yourself a potato ricer. Google Sh- it. <laughs> Sean Mosser asks. <laughs> I got to move on from that one, but this question here, I'm, I want to I want to go into this one because Jason, you and I have disagreed on many many things over the years of this podcast, and we you know we're still friends after all that. We disagree on a lot of things, which is fine. You should be able to discuss things. This may be the one question that Sean Mosser asks us at Twitter.com/slash/RedLegRadio. This may be the one question that may cause a real fracture of our uh, of our friendship. Uh-oh. Yeah. The question is this. And I'm, I don't know your answer to this, and I'm, I'm really worried you're going to have the wrong answer, and it's going to cause me to have to kind of, you know, cut you out of my life. Is the Oxford comma a necessity in the English language? Man, I this is this is... I can't give a short answer to this question. I have very strong views. I'm, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask for an, for permission to give my full answer on this question. Okay, but try to do it as briefly as possible. All right, here we go. You ready? I am. Is it a necessity in the English language? No, strictly speaking, it's not a necessity because language evolves over time, and it's really just all about clarity and expression of your ideas. The reason the Oxford comma was eliminated from certain styles, though, is literally because of penny-pinching accountants at newspapers that figured out how much ink they could save if they removed that comma. It is often uh, very useful in terms of clarity, and I personally find that things read better when they include the Oxford comma. Okay. I'm an English teacher. If I'm going to have a nuanced opinion about something... Come on. Yeah, no, I, I know. We're da- we're dangling into uh, dangerous territory there, asking you an, uh, an English question like that. The answer actually is yes. The Oxford comma is a necessity in the English language. You were afraid I was going to come out against the Oxford comma? I was concerned. It's oh. it's very important to me. I'm an English teacher, not a journalism teacher. We don't <laughs> mingle. Okay. All right. So we're okay. It's absolutely uh, a necessity and... The uh, the reason why eats shoots and leaves. Google that eats shoots and leaves. 
it is an absolute necessity. So it, it's not it's not a necessity, as you say. You're right. Language uh, evolves. Uh, Mosser's second question was: If Steven Strasburg opts out of his contract with the Nationals, should he be on the top list of pitchers to to get with this offseason? Oh, well, sure, I'd like to have Steven Strasburg. I don't see that happening, but um, let me ask you this question: Do you know who this Strasburg in his uh, last year in college, his final season, he lost one game? Which college baseball team defeated Steven Strasburg? in the NCAA tournament that year. Was it St. John's? It was not St. John's, home of Amir Garrett's former uh, college. Was was it was it Duke? It was the University wait, of... Wait, no, I know, I know, I know which one, <laughs> which one it was. What's that one school from Maryland that did the thing a couple of years ago? See, that doesn't even bother me anymore. <laughs> you, you think you're funny. It doesn't even bother me. UMBC, say it. Everybody, say it. UMBC, tweet at me. UMBC, it doesn't bother me anymore. It's the University of Virginia. Oh, is that who it was? That's the one. So, uh, if Strasburg, yeah, I'm like, sure. <laughs> you know, I don't have any problem with him, but I, if he opts out of his contract, he's going to be, he's going to be very popular on the market. And to the extent that the Reds have to prioritize where they spend their dollars, I'm not sure that makes the most sense to prioritize a pitcher like that when you could yeah. you know, spend that money on uh, Anthony Rendon. Do you have any other thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean, in that circumstance, I mean, that's a heck of a rotation they have then. But well, We're kind of in the opinion that the Reds have enough money to get both Rendon and Strasburg. Let's just gut the Nationals. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, last question here from, again, our, our guy Joe D. Hash Brown, viewer mail, will Philip Irvin be on the roster on opening day 2020? Yes. Yeah, I think so. No question. I think so. Uh, even if the Reds upgrade big time in the outfield, he's still here as a uh, as a really nice fourth outfielder. In, in fact, if we're, if we're being totally honest, aside from Nick Senzel, Players who only play the outfield, Phil Irvin might be the biggest lock to be on the team next year. I think I would agree with that. Because you can imagine Winker getting traded pretty easily. You can imagine something weird happening with Aquino, but Phil Irvin basically feels like he's got fourth outfield spot on lock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably an interesting way to put it, but you're probably right. All right, let's uh, stick a pin in this one. I will note that for the record that before we uh, began recording, before I hit the button to record, Jason and I were talking like, well, you know, everybody's kind of down about the Reds right now. It's <laughs> we, we might be able to cut this one a little bit short. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know if it's the longest podcast on record, but it's up there, Jason. And you pretty, and that's what you said. <laughs> yeah, I predicted it because every time we talk about keeping it short, it runs long. That's because we have such a good time talking about these Cincinnati Reds, even in these times where the Reds are not doing so well. So I don't know. That's either a testament to the fact this is an interesting club or that we are completely and utterly out of our minds. He's Jason Linden at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. If you want to follow us on Twitter.com, uh, at Red Leg Radio as well on Twitter.com. You all have heard the spill before. You can find us everywhere you find your podcast. Please go and subscribe. That helps us. I know a lot of you listen through the uh, through the website at redlegnation.com, and that's great. Really appreciate you pulling that up on your computers or phones and listening to it. 
while it's there. But it does help us if you go and subscribe through whatever podcast app you use on your phones. Uh, also, I've been really gratified by all the five-star reviews that have been coming in at uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. So load us down with more of those. I, you guys, I mean, I'm telling you, I shouldn't say guys, but um, because we have uh, viewers of all stripes, uh, you know, but I cannot tell you how much it means to me, all the kind things you all have said. And I know Jason as well. I don't want to speak for him, but he's uh, been very appreciative as well of the, of the people that have reached out to him in the, uh, you know, in the last uh, week or so. Just to tell them how much they uh, enjoy having them on the podcast. And uh, so you guys mean so much to us. Uh, again, I said guys, but you know what I mean. Uh, thank you all so much. Jason, any final comments? No, I mean, not other than thanks, everybody, for the nice thoughts over this last week or so. And uh, and like I said, I'll be around for a while yet. Yeah. Uh, Jason, last viewer mail question. Do we love our viewers? I guess. Oh, you called them viewers. For Jason Linden and all of our viewers, this is Chad Dawson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week.